0: This is a HeadGum Podcast.
1: Welcome back to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, joined as I always am by my bosom buddy, Bob Castro.
2: What's up, Bob? How you doing, Dan? It's good to be back in the garage.
1: We are back together another week, Bob. We've been doing this show for 14 years now, and the one thing that I've learned...
2: I mean, we've only actually had it as a podcast for the last couple months, but we've been in your garage talking into microphones plugged into nothing for the last 13 and a half years before HeadGum came along.
1: Right. HeadGum came along and they saved us.
2: That's how we are so polished and so perfect. (laughs) It's because of all that practice with nobody listening, Yep. And now we have lots of people listening.
1: So many, tens of millions of listeners, and we thank the entire army out there and we thank all the people Bob who leave comments and ratings on iTunes.
2: Yeah, we wanted to let these people know that we're uh, we're reading, we're reading your comments, we're looking at your ratings and we thought we'd just read a couple. At least
1: things. one of us. Right. At right. any point. Right. Maybe has once.
2: <laughs> there you go. So we thought it would be cool today to like read a couple. Of these uh, iTunes comments. Let's hear them, Bob. And encourage you
1: to- To go fuck yourself. Nope, nope,
2: nope. Well, maybe. I was going to say leave more, but here we go. Do Uh, you
1: think our cratering ratings have anything to do with me now telling the audience on a weekly basis to go fuck itself?
2: I I would actually attribute our cratering ratings uh, to more of the fact that we're covering albums that we care about that maybe the world doesn't.
1: I'm pretty sure it's because I'm telling everybody to go fuck themselves. <laughs>
2: Maybe, how about a combination of both?
1: Okay, I'll go with you on that.
2: All right. Well, some people aren't fucking themselves, and they're leaving us reviews.
1: So, <laughs> okay, that was good.
2: That. Pretty good.
1: <laughs> good transition.
2: All right. Where, how do you want to start? Do you want to start with a good review, a bad review, or one that I can't really put my finger on?
1: Uh, can't put your finger on.
2: All right. Um, let's just say uh, this one is from, uh, HMS Mike underscore. Mike strike.
1: Go fuck yourself.
2: Here we go. Yep. Do you only kind of like music? Hmm. Prefer to hear two middle-aged bros discuss their college years? Hmm. Then this is the podcast for you. Bosom Buddies' Bob and Dan review their favorite albums, reminisce about their youth, and profess their love for stadium rock. The throwback podcast is far from a droll regurgitation of music snobs. Okay. Bob and Dan are the caliber of hosts that will skim through and talk over Radiohead's most acclaimed album <laughs> to discuss why one of them doesn't like Radiohead. Well... <laughs> Playing a captive audience to middling pop rock singer, blander Travis Pete Yorn. Okay. Take your trip back to the period These are of fair, fair fair comments. between 1990 and 2005 to hear a firsthand account of the musical experience for white people as the world transitioned into the 21st century. <laughs> well, you know what? Never mind. That's a great review. <laughs> That's a tremendous, spot
1: on review uh, <laughs> that, quite frankly, I think Bob might have written. Um, I could have. Yeah, because he perfectly encapsulates. Everything that's right and everything that's wrong about our show. Yeah. What else, Bob?
2: I had trouble getting past the middle-aged bros part. Hey. You know?
1: Hey. We are what we are. We are
2: what we are. Uh, a lot of good reviews like from RK Althea uh, saying Dan and Bob are bosom buddies. And it shows they provide a funny retrospective on the albums that I grew up on. Keep up the great work. I like that. Thanks. That Thanks positive. Way more positive than um, than not bad five stars. By uh, D D A T L, Uh, this gets five stars because Hansis is the best host around on his NFL pod, and he manages and he manages to drag Bob's lifeless body to dry ground.
1: (laughs) Do you want to tell that guy to go fuck himself? Because you can, Bob, on our show.
2: You know what? I'd like. He gave us five stars. He'll come around on me.
1: I like him, obviously. You obviously really spot on with everything. By the way, we're talking um, about um speaking of droll white guy rock we're talking about the wallflowers yes we this are this week bringing down the horse oh i'm very excited! it's excited it's wallflowers week on the podcast anything else bob
2: well the reason we're talking about the wallflowers is because just a couple of days ago d-r-e-r-k-o either dr erko or Dr gerko gave up uh five stars subject dan Hansis has an awesome potty mouth but uh, within his comment he said since the followers of the throwback fight have been told this is the place to make our suggestions here we go anything Foo Fighters I'm on guard anything Smashing Pumpkins uh, Californication or by the way Wallflowers bringing down the horse Stone Temple Pilots Core, anything Soundgarden and maybe even some Nirvana so I saw this comment thought hey those are all great suggestions let's do some Wallflowers
1: oh that's a great choice Bob by our friend
2: by our friends. So leave more comments. Give us five stars. Tell us what you want us to do. And we're uh-huh. we're going to do it. Let's do it. Why not?
1: Let's get right to it. Bob. Wait,
2: no, we can't get right to what? it. We have to talk about... Have you have you forgotten the format of the show?
1: <laughs> I mean, you get to where were we in the time. I was just trying to get you out of the, uh, the reviews portion of today's podcast. Yeah, it was too long. <laughs> trying to engineer you into the next segment, which is what was happening when Bringing Down the Horse was coming out in 1996, when in 1996, Bob, that's well, you, how you set somebody up. You
2: are dragging my lifeless body to May 1996. And here's what happened.
1: That's not fair, by the way.
2: <laughs> no, my body is full De- of life.
1: Definitely show signs of life.
2: <laughs> uh, on May 7th, comedian Martin Lawrence suffered a nervous breakdown. Remember that? That was a thing.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't really remember that. Or though Now that you say that, I do remember it, but it's the first time I've
2: Thought, thought about, about it, it
1: since yeah. 1996.
2: Yeah, I didn't really care to read more about that. So let's move yeah. on to the next thing. I hope
1: you're okay, Marty.
2: Uh, this was the month that a 17-year-old fan was crushed to death uh, at a festival seeing a concert by the Smashing Pumpkins in Dublin, Ireland.
1: Are you trying to get me fired? Do you want me to make a joke that goes viral or no, something? not
2: at all. I'm just telling no. you what happened that month. Very sad, Bob. More sad stuff. <laughs> Sublime's lead singer, Bradley Knoll, died of a heroin overdose this month.
1: Eh, it's too bad. It's too bad. No, that was... Sad. The, and, the biggest thing about him, he died and then had the biggest alternative rock album of the 90s. Right. That sucked. That sucked. Also, dying sucked. But having no idea that you became... Well,
2: yeah, so it kind of successful. doesn't suck because you'll never know. You don't know. You're just dead.
1: Well, this is a spiritual conversation we're having now. He's <laughs> dead, bro. He doesn't know
2: anything. <laughs> He's dead.
1: Worms and Dirt. Uh, the all, Worms and Dirt podcast with Bob Castrone.
2: And the other thing that died that month, the show Murder, She Wrote. More than twelve million, mm. a million, yeah, more than twelve million Americans watched the final episode. Yet, uh, comedy writers are still making jokes about Murder She Wrote. I feel like that's still Move like on. a, it's still a trope. It's twenty-one it's years later. It's because like, oh, Murder She Wrote.
1: I, take it from guys that do a uh, podcast about music that came out twenty years ago. If you're still using pop culture jokes from twenty years ago, you're in trouble.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. We would never do that. Uh, speaking of pop culture, here are the big movies that came out that month. Barbwire.
1: Yep, I'm remember sure you, that Pamela? Big fan of that. Uh, I think she was Pamela Lee at that point. I think you're right. Okay.
2: The Craft.
1: Yeah Which movie? Never saw it. Oh, it was good. People you would have loved to it. Like it. Yeah, you would have loved on, it. I feel like it's on basic cable at all times. At all
2: times, if you just turn on TVS or it's TNT, there. it's there. TNT
1: loves. Yeah, TNT the loves craft. The Craft. Okay. What
2: else? Uh, Twister amazing movie.
1: That movie is one of one of the more I think this, we talked about this in a, in a recent pod or at some point, but one of the best things to do is anything late 90s, this is obviously pushing up against that um, early 2000s failed CGI attempts. Check out Twister again.
2: That cow, the cow going in the tornado. Cow There's, don't look good no more. Come it on.
1: That looked really good. You don't fly right no more, Bob.
2: And finally, this movie starring one of it's our nice to talk faves. about
1: openly and honestly, before I head off to my golf game.
0: What is it, Dick?
1: It's a game. People dress funny, hit a little ball with clubs. Drinking is involved.
0: Is something wrong, Dick?
1: Well, whatever we've had between us, I think it's only fair that you know that uh, my heart still belongs to the girl I fell in love with years ago, Victoria. She fell off a cliff. Now, of course, that is the late, great Leslie Nielsen, but it's not a Naked Gun movie. Did you just play 45 seconds of Dracula, Dead and Loving It?
2: (laughs) I'm not above it, but no, that was about 28 seconds of Spy Hard. Spy
1: Hard, yeah. Leslie Nielsen is a a comic hero uh, for Bob and I, but at the same time, can I really get behind anything that wasn't Airplane or Naked Gun? Not really.
2: I urge you to go back and go to YouTube and... Watched the trailer for Spy Hard, which I just did before we started this yeah. podcast. So many great visual gags, including Ray Charles driving a bus. <laughs> because doing like the he speed, was blind. Because he was blind. And, <laughs> He'd be uh, a bad bus driver. Weird Al doing the opening theme song, like the James Bond style, but instead of having like all these sexy silhouettes behind him, it's just like really fat girls swimming, which <laughs> was right. fine. I'm fine. in, actually. It was I'm fine in 96. But uh, that was the world we were living in, and the number one song... When bringing down the horse by the wallflowers came out, was this? I
1: just want to tell you, I'm really excited. Boom, 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 boom.
2: Tell me what you're going
0: to do when it ain't nowhere to run. When judgment comes with you, when judgment comes with you, when what you're going to do when it ain't nowhere to hide. When judgment comes with you, because it's going to go. going to miss everybody.
1: Um, yes. Probably my top. It's probably my Mount Rushmore of hip hop songs in the 90s.
2: One of my favorites. Yeah. Ever. It's so good.
1: I, I distinctly remember this being on constant rotation on MTV in the summer of 95 or 96. And uh, watching at your old house mm-hmm. uh, on Quake Lane. And it was in the the end where they're all walking up the mountain and Easy Easy looking died down died, somewhat around the time of the release of that album. Wow! Oh, here we go. Wait, wait. To that. Okay. We,
2: got it. we uh we put one song on our playlist from the album every week. I'm nominating Crossroads.
1: <laughs>
2: <It's>, <laughs> we just got to do it. We might have to.
1: Just got to do it. And it's one of the best um, videos of the nineties too.
2: Yeah. This definitely reminds me of like when we were in our prime of hanging out like 16 years old. Like I think I probably just got my license driving around, like being able to do things. And we had our group of friends where we were just together all the time. And that song was on constantly.
1: Yep. Absolutely. It's a great one. And, uh, And uh, one thing I want to say about am Gonna miss my Uncle Charles.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he really missed his Uncle Charles. (laughs)
1: All right, bringing down the horse by the Wallflowers. And the album starts with the biggest hit they ever had, One Headline. I thought I had it when the vocal came in. All right, this one is One Headline by the Wallflowers, WPLJ. It's really funny to think, Bob, after reading that review about the guy that really nailed us to a T, that our very <laughs> next podcast would be The Wallflowers. He knows down us. The
2: he knows us well. Who is this guy?
1: Is he watching us right he now? He might
2: be in this garage.
1: Uh, this is one of the most popular songs of the 90s period. We just talked about Crossroads. This song is every bit as famous, perhaps much more so. Uh, it's a great song.
2: Yeah, when this, uh, I'm I'm not even gonna talk right now. Yeah, we gotta
1: listen to the score. Come on.
2: I remember the first time i heard this song and immediately i was like this is the best song i've heard this year like it just kind of had that feel of like there was nothing that sounded i mean not that it's like revolutionary music but it just sounded so well put together and like the lyrics were interesting and his voice was great and it just builds and i just loved it immediately
1: it's funny because i had a, a different memory with the song i was a little more on the defense With the Wallflowers initially Even though they were right up my alley In so many ways uh, At that time in my life But I kind of, especially with this song I was like, I don't know if I actually like this As much as everyone else does Because it was inescapable On the radio and and on MTV Um, And then it just eventually won me over Because you couldn't not love the song Ultimately if you really listened to it enough And now I listen to it now And I feel like I like it more now Than 20 years ago
2: it was one of those songs where it was the second Wallflower song I ever heard because I had gotten a magazine a few months before this that had Sixth Avenue Heartache on it. Love that song. So I sort of knew who they were because of that. And then when this song came out, it was like they just got me immediately. And I bought the album. And all this being said, not a big Wallflowers fan. I don't think you are either. But. As we start going through this album, you're going to hear, like, these songs were just inescapable in 1996.
1: Yeah, definitely a big fan of this album, for sure. This song, by the way, Bob, uh, some stats, listed number 58 on Rolling Stone and MTV's list of the 100 greatest pop songs. Fill in the blank, Bob. This week. Of all time. So a lot of people like this song, including people that review records for a living. It also won two Grammys.
2: One of the um, this song is also responsible for my career out here in Hollywood. In Whoa! Some way. Yeah,
1: I feel like you're burying the lead a little bit on this. What's it kind of is.
2: Um, years ago, when um, I started doing online videos with Brian and Jason, mm-hmm. known as the Post Show, uh, we were in our buddy's basement. <laughs> and we realized, kind of, we were listening to that song. And it hit us that uh, any song sounds better if Bob Dylan is singing it, and we sort of, you know, went mm-hmm. down the list. And then we came—I think actually that was the song that started it—was "Imagine if Bob Dylan sang the song." It would be one of his best songs. <laughs> and we ended up turning that into a sketch that got uh, ah yeah went viral and kind of got us our agents and the whole thing. Check
1: that out. What is the name of the sketch again?
2: No Direction. Period.
1: Yeah, you can check that out on YouTube. That is an excellent. That is. Probably the magnum opus opus of the Poe show, right?
2: Of just my life, maybe. yeah, yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Check that out. So that actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It all yeah, checks. out. It was out. all
2: from that. It was you know, son of Bob Dylan. If Bob Dylan would have sang that, it would have been one of one of his best songs. And he's Bob Dylan.
1: Jacob Dylan. We're gonna get to that later on. I have so many thoughts about that dynamic. Um, but right now, this is Sixth Avenue Heartache, and that is. Let's listen to this chorus right now because that is a familiar voice.
2: Well, we can't listen to it right now because they just stopped. Fuck. Saying, thought I had it you're not doing you're not doing it tonight <laughs> you are off your game you're off your wall fly. it's almost like you haven't listened to this in 21 years <laughs>
1: no you know what this song sixth avenue heartache is uh probably my favorite song of theirs and and the man in the chorus that I try to tease Adam Dirtz of County Crows yep uh which you'll hear in a second and just a great like meandering great mid-90s alternative rock song on any deep dive playlist that should be on it.
2: Yeah, shocking for the throwback pod, but this is the first we're hearing out of notes. Let's listen to
0: it.
1: We saw... A Wallflowers County Crows uh, double bill, Bob. Remember that? Nineteen ninety-seven, I believe it was.
2: Yeah, that sounds right.
1: And uh, it was fun because I, as I recall, the Wallflowers played first, uh, and when they did this song, Dirts came out, didn't mm-hmm. it? Yep. That's nice. It was very nice. Nice concert experience.
2: It was. I remember before we went to the show, uh, our friend Sarah, who was a big. Wallflowers slash Jacob Dylan fan.
1: Right. Not a throwback podcast fan.
2: Probably not. Yeah. Committed blasphemy by saying that the Counting Crow should be opening for the Wallflowers, and we were not happy with him yeah, saying
1: that. That was a, a terrible statement to make to us at that point in our lives. Yeah, no.
2: We were just like, we beat the shit out of her. You punched her in the <laughs> face.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a different time, though.
2: No, it was cool.
1: No, yeah, no. Our uh, principal
2: walked by and was like, what'd she say? <laughs> you say the Wallflowers should go out in a second, and we're like, yeah and Mr. Nardella was like high five.
1: Sarah got it. She totally got it. Um, yeah, so this was a this was I think the first single, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And it wasn't as big a hit as One Headlight, but it's definitely one of the most memorable songs. I love this
2: song. Yeah. Jacob Dylan pulled the I'm um, hot guy move and wasn't in the video. It's kind of, you know, I feel like it That's was...
1: kind of like the obnoxious when overly hot dudes It's like the George Michael theory when he uh, was in Freedom 90 in that video and he didn't show up in all all, and he burned all his artifacts, his leather jacket and things. Dylan was doing the George Michael in this first video. I mean, maybe. He just knew how good. He's like, I'm rich. Bob Dylan's my daddy. And uh, this uh, this album is blowing up. I can do whatever I want. I don't need to be in the video. No,
2: I can't. I'm saving myself. Saving myself for the second single. Um, All
1: right. That is 10th Avenue Heartache or 6th Avenue Heartache. This is another, Bob, top-heavy album. But the third track, Bleeders.
2: Was this a single?
1: No, uh, it might have been, actually. Let me me give you a little research, Bob. Because this sounds so memorable, too, but at the same time, it's sandwiched by all the most well-known Wallflower songs. I just forgot about that. River
0: sentimental fever. But this ain't my first ride, it ain't my last try. Just got to keep moving on. If they catch me ever, I'll will throw me back forever.
1: I don't really remember this one.
2: I remember listening to it. I don't think it was on the radio.
1: I guess back then you were listening to the whole CD. you probably heard this many times. That just doesn't really stick with me at all, Bob. I can't get behind it.
2: Especially if it's nestled between the singles. You, you're not skipping over it.
1: Right. So you you had a, usually track three. You would think as top-heavy as this album is because let's go to the track four. Uh, Wait, hold on. I'm enjoying
2: this. There's nothing wrong with you this are? song. Yeah, why are you just trying to skip over Bleeders?
1: Okay. Am I going to go nuts about Bleeders? What's I your don't.
2: problem with Bleeders?
1: I don't know. What is wrong with
2: leaders? I mean, I'm sorry it doesn't, you know, it's not a hit single from 1996, but it's.
1: Is this an important song to you, Bob? Do you have any connection to the song? I believe Are you hearing what? it for the first time and you, you're enjoying it? Do
2: you not bleed? I'm hearing it probably for the first time in 20 years. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I don't remember the song, and it's okay.
2: I can move on, but I think it's better than okay. I think it's a really good song. I think it's almost deserving of the track three, I think it's deserving of the top half of the album. It's definitely not an MF-er.
1: Is this gonna mid album filler? Is this going to be, Bob, your sleeper choice for no. the Spotify playlist? No, it's not, so we
2: can move on. Okay. You're making me fight for it, but I really don't want to fight that hard for it.
1: <laughs> uh now, track four a ballad. Ooh, it's a nice one. Ooh, it's nice, Bob. Hey Bob, can you pass me a beer?
2: Just for our listeners uh, Just to know I'm the one sitting closest to the cooler I feel like every week you ask me to get you beers It might just sound like I'm just running across the garage No, I might I like that idea (laughs) I like that
1: Um, Yeah, Bob is closest to the cooler Which is such a vital role here in the garage
2: Are you still drinking Coronas? Yeah Okay
1: Roll another one back
2: Alright Why, are you judging me? A little bit
1: I like my uh, Mexican lagers
2: Get, go to Texas. You come back. You're drinking Coronas again.
1: <laughs> Three Marlins. Let's uh listen to this course. I mean, this is a nice chorus. This was the fourth and last single released from the album Bleeders, not released, Bob's single. As, as I look at the um, life of this album, is crazy when they, had, they obviously had a hit on their hands. Sixth Avenue Heartache came out on April 23rd, 1996, Bob. That was my 16th birthday. Wow. I was driving home from uh, Washington, D.C. after a trip with my family. And the final track This one was released In October 97 So mm. It was like a year and a half Promotional cycle For this album Interesting This has the
2: feel Of the last single This is kind of like It's not It's not a traditional single It's definitely like We've had so many hits Let's just throw this one out there and see check See if we, can, see if we like can grab a, one more
1: a basketball player Who's hit three straight threes And just take, launches one From like Three quarter court
2: Right And I feel like Maybe this one rattled in But it's not It's not the best song
1: Better than Bleeders I don't know though
2: I've, I've, I feel like I've always Had an issue with this song Really? I don't know why It's like fine It's an
1: amazing song It's
2: an amazing song
1: I like it though But we can move on
2: Tell me more about Your 16th birthday That I wasn't invited to For some reason Washington D.C.
1: No it was just We went to uh, The whole Hans's clan Including uh, Kevin Danger Shay Devin Keith uh, Drove down to Washington D.C to do the whole family trip to D.C. <laughs> and it was fine, whatever. <laughs> and then we got in the car. it was like, oh, when are we going back, you know, to New York? It was like, oh, on your birthday. So I sat like packed into a Chevrolet celebrity for seven hours being driven back from Washington, D.C. for my birthday. So really nice memory, I guess. I guess we were together, though, and that's what was the most important okay. thing. About right, right.
2: 16 is Moving- a big one because that's, you know, the beginning of driving. Like, that was probably the last time you were in the middle seat of the back with your entire family in the car.
1: Yeah, but I was a little more late. I actually didn't get my permit until I was 17. Yeah, you were
2: a dick about it. (laughs) (laughs) Drove your ass around forever.
1: Here's the next track. We'll get into that in a second. It wasn't that I was, like, trying to be a dick by not getting my license, but there was no urgency because I had no access to a car. You got your hands on that LeSabre through hard work at Hallmark, was it?
2: Uh, It was Hallmark. I think maybe by that time I had gotten fired from Hallmark, but it was uh, Hallmark, Camp Counselor, and Sucking Dick.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the 1989 Buick LeSabre, which was an iconic ride, Bob, that you had. Um, and I enjoyed riding in it so much that what was the urgency <laughs> to go get a license? It just right? made you too
2: comfortable <laughs> in that car. Uh,
1: the difference. This is. Uh, I like this song. I don't know. I, it, it's one of their most popular songs, but I was never too crazy about this. This would be my three Marlenas for you. Okay.
2: Yeah, this is kind of reminds me of like a Hootie and the Blowfish single, like the only want to be with you kind of level of single. Right. Where it's like hitting all the beats, but there's nothing really to it.
1: Yeah. You know you know what's weird about the Wallflowers? This album was massive. I think it sold almost five million copies in America Alone. And it wasn't their first album. They were one of those weird bands mm-hmm. where they have the album and they just are not on the grid at all. They opened for the they put out an album, they opened for um, the Spin Doctors in nineteen ninety two.
2: Well want to. <laughs> be, 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 be.
1: You know you, and if you want to get on us for you know our middle of the road dad rock taste, like we weren't into spin doctors. We no. got a, you know, we had standards.
2: Yeah, I mean, gin blossoms, sure, sure, of course. But spin doctors, nah, absolutely. Hootie, a little bit. Spin Hootie doctors. had
1: their had his moments. Are we, we going to do that album? Crack the I
2: don't see us doing that album. I don't think either of us owned it, right?
1: Some I get. Someone gave it to me because at one point America realized there were. 16 million copies of uh, Cracked Rearview now floating around the country. Uh-huh. And they just started passing hands.
2: They are all at used record stores right now. Like you could just go in there and get one for a nickel anywhere across this country.
1: Um, okay, so that is the difference. So in tracks one, two, three, four, five, it's all four singles. So the back half of the album begins with a track called Invisible City.
2: Bringing it down after all the singles
1: Yeah I don't We talked about this on the Killers podcast If you know what your singles are going to be Don't you want to If you were putting out a 12 track album Wouldn't you kind of space them out Or would you just go bang I'm dropping them all in the first half
2: No you go You go singles one, three, seven, and 9 I like that Yeah Nine,
1: that's interesting.
2: Yeah, well, nine—it's like your three Marlenas kind of single. Nine's like the last single.
1: Um, I want to share an artist who I thought had the greatest order for a hit album ever. Ready? You could All also go.
2: You could also go three, four, seven, nine. But three has to be a single. Seven has to be a single. And I'm not gonna fucking back down from that.
1: <laughs> I'm with you. I, my favorite a single release order ever was Born in the USA. Born in the USA, track one. Darlington County, track three. I'm on Fire, track six. Glory Days, track ten. Dance in the Dark, track eleven.
2: Just I mean... All over. It's all over. One, three, six, ten, eleven.
1: Speaking of Bruce Springsteen, when he came out on stage... I'm glad you brought this up. Um, at the MTV music awards in 1997 and did One Headlight with The Wallflowers, which was fair of The Wallflowers to do since it's basically a Bruce Springsteen song. Um, it did not go too well for young J- Jacob, I didn't think.
2: like really, this is a narrative created by Bill Simmons, the sports guy, from like an old article he wrote. I don't know like,
1: if it's a narrative. It's just he, he brought it up. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure a lot of other people notice the same thing. And then if you go back and watch... Jacob Dylan is barely singing on stage. <laughs> there is no performance to him. Springsteen, and this is when Springsteen was kind of off the grid. He just shows up for the song and just melts the entire stage. Yeah, I think it was. We'll,
2: we'll tweet that out. I mean, yeah,
1: you judge for yourself. I but think, you thought Jacob held his own in that situation. No, I'm not going to say that. He seems very meek and like a, a wimpy mid-90s alternative
2: He's just not like an engaging performer, whereas Springsteen is Springsteen.
1: But that's kind of what I'm saying. I
2: know. I just don't, I feel like it was a little hy- hyperbolic to be like he just wiped the floor with him with his own song. <laughs> he kicked his fucking it ass. It was humiliating. Me and Jacko were like, what?
1: <laughs> come on. Um. All right. I mean, you you could die on that hill. The Jacob Dylan did not get blown away by Bruce Springsteen. I didn't say that. I'm, I'm, well, that's what you're saying. You're saying that that's been overblown, but it really is true. Saying,
2: take take it easy. <laughs> you had Bruce Springsteen come on to sing your song. What you're, you're gonna go like toe for toe with him and just try to like out Bruce Springsteen him?
1: You should have tried. Uh, Jake was like <laughs> he had his little pod hat. Remember what do they call those? The pork boy caps or whatever. And he's playing and, they, and it, is it. And then Bruce just <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just that he was louder. He was actually an animated uh, human. The other person was a corpse that was being dragged <laughs> through the song.
2: <laughs> all right, fair. These are all fair points.
1: Um, track seven. Oh I remember the song. Track six, Laughing Out Loud.
2: Chorus. You got
1: me up a nope, Live. Well, I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna dock the song for that. Gonna, it's time to get to the chorus, <laughs> I think. Maybe that was the chorus. Ooh. In no, that case, Joe, I, in that case, laughing out loud. can Whoa. Whoa. Lol. Did they do it?
2: Is this it? Wait
0: a
1: second. This is conspiracy theory, no. It's
2: the, not labeled lol on the It's thing. not. It's okay. not.
1: Is it possible that the Wallflowers in 1996 started, started LOL? Coined
2: LOL. Hmm. It's not, but let's go with that.
1: Uh, any thoughts about the song? I do remember this Yeah, one. I remember yeah. the song.
2: I feel like it ended up on things. Not, it's probably not going to end up on our Spotify mix.
1: No. Moving on, track seven, Josephine.
2: Oh, I think I like the song. Yeah, this is legitimately an album I haven't listened to in 20 years.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's, yeah. I feel like everyone kind of developed the same big picture mentality with this band in the sense that everyone kind of, a lot of people enjoyed this album, but then instantly just packed it away and that was it.
2: Yeah, because. It doesn't have a legacy. Their second album came out four years later. I guess when you're promoting, when you're touring off one album for like as long as they did though, Probably didn't have a lot of time to write that second album, yeah. which is why it took so long. But uh, by that point, people had just moved on. There was like nothing.
1: Yeah, and we um, we could share some songs after this album that I love from their later period. But I guess they, and we've talked about how, how music changed so much, end of the 90s, early 2000s. The Wallflowers can't go away for four years and then pop up in the middle of the uh, I like this new metal uh, boy band era. I like I feel wake like Sarah would have loved this song <laughs> and all girls who were in love with Jacob Dylan would Put themselves in the Josephine place. Do you remember
2: that uh, Jacob Dylan Rolling Stone cover? Yeah. Where yes. they just like blew out his just eyes. Just his face, yeah. Yeah, just his face with his perfect cheekbones, and they like blew out his eyes to be super blue. Right. I feel like that I saw a lot in college in like girls' dorm dorms, or dorms.
1: Yeah, or maybe it was just Sarah's dorm. Maybe Sarah, yeah. <laughs> but he was a really good-looking dude. I don't know who Bob Dylan was. He was born in 1969. I'm sure Bob was doing. Uh, some good business at that point in his good life good business right? I mean come on come on Bob Dylan in 1969 had probably the choice of any woman in Manhattan right
2: yeah I'd say probably bigger than Manhattan probably the whole all five boroughs I just when
1: I think of Bob Dylan I think of him only living in Manhattan and never leaving here and just being that guy <laughs> he's like the guy that's always in Manhattan
2: did you ever see Inside Lewin Davis yes I finally saw it I loved it
1: that's weird because I saw it and I was like, I don't get why everyone loves this movie, but then I saw it again and I liked it a little more and I was thinking, oh, well, if I watch this another time, I'm going to be way in on this movie.
2: Yeah, I just love Bob Dylan and that whole scene, like the whole story of Bob Dylan and that whole world, and it was great to like see the story of not Bob Dylan. You know what's
1: weird? World. There is no story between Bob Dylan and Jacob Dylan. Yeah, there publicly. never really was. Is it kind of weird how... Obviously, he was... Self conscious, as you could understand, and never talked about it. Jacob Dylan, about his dad,
2: not too self conscious, though, to be Jacob Schwartz, just a different Jewish last name.
1: Yeah, but that would have been kind of overkill. I think he made the compromise that I understand that I'm probably getting some preferential treatment here because I'm Bob Dylan's son. For instance, uh, on Sixth Avenue Heartache, did a little research for the show, Bob. The slide guitar on Sixth Avenue Heartache, the first single by the Wallflowers, which means that nobody knew who they were at that point. Mike Campbell, oh, uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yes. Like knew some guys. Yeah, he knew guys Uncle he had Mike. connections. Uncle Mike. Uncle Mike, him. for yeah. sure. Uh, it's like you here's my Bob Dylan dog. Hey Mike, can you help me out? How's that? How's that for Dylan?
2: I thought it was Bob Dylan. Honestly, he's so weird that we might be able to get him for the podcast, like any, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, like you don't know what he'll do. Like anything I've ever done, like casting wise, I always say to the casting person, if there's like a weird role, I'm like, let's offer it to Bob Dylan,
1: because like you happens. don't,
2: he might take it. Like he'll do like a Victoria's Secret ad, or he'll do like a weird, like you you never know what he's gonna do. So just, that's my advice to people out here in Hollywood trying to make it. Make an offer to Bob Dylan. See what Wait,
1: happens. But if, see, if everyone does it, Bob, then you lose your leverage of being the only person to think that. It's true. Well, I, I, haven't,
2: I haven't gotten him, so I don't think I have any leverage at all. But
1: he he never talked about Bob Dylan ever. He never talked about his dad. And at a certain point, I feel like it almost got weird that what? why couldn't he talk about their relationship ever? It's like, they, are they? is it a strained relationship? I don't even know their history.
2: I don't think it's a good relationship. Do you
1: have any insight? I might scoop have, here?
2: I, I think I do have some inside info. I'm trying to access it right now.
1: Next track is called "God Don't Make Lonely Girls."
2: This is a good song with a bad title and bad chorus.
1: Let's listen to it. This is some generic licks, man.
2: Just holding out to not going right into the chorus. They love that move. You know what this song sounds like to me?
1: Like late period, like mid late period Bon Jovi. Oh. It's like early 2000s Bon Jovi. Oh,
2: that's not good. I was going to say cracker, but you're right too.
1: It's like when he was like It's My Life era Bon Jovi.
2: Or uh, Midnight in Chelsea.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I don't know if I ever made it to Steven to the album. I gotta be honest with you. It's also bullshit, by the way. That yeah, is. A lot of lonely girls.
2: No, not no. no. Yeah, but God doesn't make them They make themselves lonely by being terrible
1: What about the boys?
2: <laughs> it's not about that
1: this is the, So God makes lonely boys Sends them out of the vagina Lonely But any girl comes in Joyful? Is that what we're saying here? No, is that what this song is getting at, Bob? Let's break it down
2: Are you, are you accusing Jacob Dylan of being a misogynist?
1: Big time, bro Okay uh,
2: Well, I feel like He's probably Jewish, so. Uh,
1: he uh, Dylan is. Yep. Well,
2: his dad is, or was, or.
1: And the mother was as well.
2: Okay, so you know, there's a whole there's a whole other books that you've never read, dude. Hmm. Like in the Jewish religion, God makes lonely girls, or doesn't make lonely girls. I don't know. Fair okay.
1: enough. Hey, speaking of Bon Jovi song titles, let's move to the next track. It's the penultimate track. It is called. This one's Hey Richie Tune up your axe I got a new song called Angel on my bike <laughs> <laughs> I mean I can pretend like I know the songs At the end of Bringing Down a Horse I just don't I know those Nobody songs. wants you to pretend Yeah So Am I going to tell you that This is the first time I've ever actually listened to Angel on the bike Yeah I'm going to tell you the truth
2: I definitely listened to the whole album I just haven't in a long time so.
1: I'll, I'll say The singles all hold up to me They're all great But there is definitely a bit of a Generic dated feel On these non-singles This does feel very
2: dated I think even the singles feel dated It feels very 1996
1: Yeah, maybe And maybe that's not such a bad thing Because they were kind of doing Like Americana type music uh, But this sounds very generic. Maybe that's part of the problem. They didn't have legs. Maybe they just they got yeah. hot, and they just didn't have enough songs. Give yeah. a Pick up the guitar with the two necks.
2: This sounds like it should be like playing in the car of an episode of Dawson's Creek as they're driving to.
1: You know what? I feel it's a little late. How about like Party of Five? <laughs> and it's like Scott Wolf.
2: Yeah, Scott Wolf was And Nev. They Wonderful were they were Nev. rocking out to the Wallflowers.
1: Absolutely. Does Phoebe be banging to the Wallflowers?
2: Nah. Nah, it's a little too white. Is this the whitest music we've done? Hmm.
1: The Wallflowers is pretty basic whites type yeah. stuff. Feels yeah, that, it feels so. that way.
2: I'd say so. All right, Pete Yorn has been dethroned.
1: <laughs> Congratulations, Pete. <laughs> well, depending on how you look at it. Uh, take us to, this is the final track, Bob. And it is called... I wish I felt nothing Let's say I have to pronounce it. a steel Pedal guitar in this album That I didn't realize existed they, they have more like a country feel Than I Would pick up on from the singles
2: Yeah I think It's easy to get scared away by country Especially when you're 16 And I feel like that was part of what turned me off Of the album at the time Was like Nobody Because like when you're 16 All you say is Or all we said was I'll listen to anything Except country
1: Right That was the whole thing That was like the I like everything but country Yeah so you're
2: not allowed To like country So if a song Sounded like country Like something went off Inside you That said Oh I can't like this
1: There was something about Yeah Like being a 90's kid and, And blowing off Or hating country For some reason That was Country music Was the Least hip type of music There possibly could be Right um, so you detach from it, which is weird because now a lot of artists uh, in like rock and alternative rock, there's those influences are much more uh, apparent now. There's
2: Taylor Swift, country music turned pop and Katy Perry and Jessica Simpson before that. Like,
1: I'm trying to think if there was any country song through my entire teenage years that I was ever like, oh, I love those songs.
2: I don't think there was. There was not one. Yeah. Point. Except for this last song on Bringing Down the Horse.
1: It's a nice song. I like this song. Yeah.
2: Because we can like it. We can appreciate it now. We don't have to reject it because it's kind of country-ish.
1: How big of us? spot? We've
2: grown a lot since 1996. I don't remember this song at all.
1: No. In All right, so there you go. That is Bringing Down the Horse. Uh, From the Wallflowers Uh, Bob, I do want to hit on this Because though the entire country forgot about the Wallflowers Bob and Dan in 2000 were like way plugged in on some level Um, Not in terms of actually supporting the artist Or buying their CDs But in the era of Napster um, The singles that did finally show up four years later uh, For their follow-up We love them I remember that specifically
2: yeah, they were total Napster songs because I I do think I bought I got the album for Christmas or something, but not not before we downloaded all of the singles On Napster, including uh, this
1: one. Yeah, this one, this one, Sleepwalker. I think this was the first single. Yeah,
2: it was. I think they went on TRL.
1: This is like Jacob Dylan Dylan doing like a gin Boston song.
2: Or like good. an art, late period of song. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: that's a perfect song, but it's weird that, and just you can't disappear for four years at that point and then drop this into 2000. It right. This just was never going to... Like, that song would have been a hit on that last album, but you put out the album, like, five years ago.
2: Yeah, it was too long.
1: I don't know what was going on.
2: Shit, I kind of want to put this on our on our playlist. <laughs>
1: That's true. Also, the other song that was great, and this, another Napster home run, uh, was Letters from the Wasteland. Do you remember that? Oh, no the flowers
2: man they had it did anybody (laughs) call them the flowers they're still doing stuff they're still together I think so yeah
1: maybe it's in terms of it's fitting again Bob he's not gonna tell you you'll never talk about it but his dad's Bob Dylan which means Jacob Dylan was fucking rich before he ever put out a single album set for life Uh, so you know
2: just keep the band together.
1: It's like what I'm saying there's no he's just doing it for fun and everybody's just gonna follow Jacob. I don't know, is, is it could it be like an everclear thing where everyone else in the band is gone, but Jacob's still there, we should check in.
2: But he also put out solo albums.
1: He did have it and he had a good solo album about ten years ago. I remember it had a really nice song. Yeah, it was one
2: of those albums that was just at Starbucks. And playing in Starbucks for sale at Starbucks. <laughs>
0: On, that's
1: great. Well, all right, so here's the big question about Wallflowers, well, Bob. What is their legacy?
2: <sighs> they have one-hit wonder legacy.
1: Yeah, a classic one-albums wonder.
2: I think that one album will, will just be folded into a one song memory of one headlight and that's it.
1: I think they even, because every artist that has success will eventually puts out a greatest hits and I'm always curious how fans name their greatest hits. It says a lot about them. The Wallflowers were self-aware enough to know that calling it a, a best of greatest hits, they just called it the Wallflowers colon Collected 1996 to 2005.
2: <laughs> I like that. It's literally just a collection of what we've done. Like, don't
1: release, don't be, uh, you know, fun and then release a greatest hits album and then have it be all that one album. Cause I assume they put out another album at some point.
2: No, I don't think they did. They just said, that's it. Yeah. We're done. I think America said, you're done.
1: Putting the period in the name too. Come on, guys.
2: It was like, we enjoyed what you gave us. Now just move on
1: they got it maybe no maybe the wallflowers should have done the same thing ultimately although we did like some of those napster songs yeah didn't give them a dime
2: yeah it's weird for i have like no no ill will towards the wallflowers
1: i'm I, glad they were there for us i
2: somewhat yeah i'm glad they were there they were never a favorite they were their singles were good they had one amazing single maybe two but that's it
1: they really um sparked the creative juices within a 38-year-old John Bon Jovi.
2: (laughs) Sarah liked them (laughs) because Jacob Dylan was hot.
1: Yeah, he was very hot. All right, so let's cycle back to um, bringing down the horse and nominate the um, song for our Spotify playlist, which is how many deep now, Bob? 13? This will be 13? This will be 14. Ooh, exciting. Uh, I will go first this week, Bob, and I have to nominate the song that I would listen to above all others, and that's One Headlight. Really? No, just kidding. Sixth Avenue Harding. Okay. That's my choice. Uh, we kind of got hit on it all, uh, but Duritz is in it. Yep, It's just a great song. It just kind of doesn't get old for me whenever I hear it. If it comes on serious, it passes the test of being a 90s song that I'll listen to every time, which is a pretty big thing.
2: Yeah. Is it two on the nose?
1: Um, well, I definitely don't. Want to say Maybe it's on the nose I think one headlight Would have been on the no, nose No that's
2: that's the most dumb. That's the one we have We can't do uh,
1: But what do, you, do you, you You want to throw Something out there Don't say Josephine Please don't
2: I'm not going to say Josephine Wait are
1: you going to say Bleeders Bleeders kill, was better you. Than
2: you gave it credit for <laughs> um, No I was kind of hoping As we went through That something would Pop out Yeah Like if Letters from The Wasteland were Was on this album Right exactly You know like I was hoping That there was something Like that that I forgot about That would would overtake the singles. But um, yeah, I think it has to be Sixth Avenue Heartache.
1: All right. That that just makes sense. And maybe that is what's missing in terms of this album and staying power. It doesn't have enough of those non single like bangers on an album that you truly will come back to because you don't always just want to hear popular singles. I, I don't really sense it on this.
2: Yeah. I just think the whole thing's dated. I think it's a very dated album. I want my angel on my bike. It didn't sound anything like that, but but the sentiment was right. Your mocking sentiment was correct, whereas the tone and what you sang was completely... I want my
1: angel on my bike. The dance is bad, too.
2: Honestly, uh, before we started this uh, this episode... We were listening to Selena Gomez together. Oh, man. I kind of wish we just listened to Selena Gomez tonight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Should we just play out with Selena? Should we just play
2: Bad Liar? Can we put Bad Liar on our... No, nah, I guess we can't. No, we can't. And we can't put Bone Thugs on.
1: We can't put Bone Thugs on. We're breaking all the rules. Um, but we could We could play out with Selena, which is what... we. You know, the guy that said, oh, if you want these <laughs> middle-of-the-road bros... Well, we were listening to Selena this, in the garage <laughs> before the podcast.
2: Because she samples a Talking Head song that middle-aged whites like.
1: I mean, is that what we're going to try to convince ourselves with?
2: Oh, we're really going to play out with this? I was all walking right. Down the street Why not? Well, not? well, all right. So this is not the song that's on the Spotify. <laughs> so, but we do love so. this it well. song. It's really good. Oh, wait, oh baby, it's you. To play cool, this is the song that uh, Taylor Swift yeah. wanted her new song to like be. That's a great call. This is like the that's better nice. version of that song.
1: Bas- yeah, Selena really stuck. It. She's in the squad too, right?
2: I guess. I don't know. I will say, after I became a little obsessed with this song, I went on Spotify and just started listening to a lot of Selena Gomez, which is something I never thought would happen in my life. She's really good. You're in on Selena. I'm in on Selena Gomez more than just this. The sport. new Bob Dylan. Selena Gomez. Is that where you're going with this? Step aside, Jacob. Forget Dylan. about Jacob. We're no. just going straight to
1: Bob. Old We're going Zimmerman. right
2: to Selena. Yeah. She's good. All I right. recommend her.
1: This won't will. be on that s- the playlist, but Sixth New Heartache will. Uh, follow us on Twitter at uh, the Throwback. This is what gets us sued.
2: We've like <laughs> nothing else is going to get us sued. This is it. Uh, yeah.
1: Oh, this is that dream when the ha- when the whole garage collapsed, yes. burst into flames. Yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, follow us on Twitter at ThrowbackPod. Leave us comments on iTunes. We read them. We might read them on the show. Tell us what you want us to listen to.
1: I think that covers everything, Bob. That's it. Until next week, Dan heads a signing off for my bosom buddy Bob. The throwback podcast. Take it Is away, I'm Selena.
0: I see how your builds. It's like looking in a mirror. You're touched like a happy pill.
2: What are, are we doing? <laughs> 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 that was a HeadGum podcast.